Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Time Dropper for another, the final 20, uh, I keep saying 24-minute recap like it's 2021, for the final recap of the season, the regular season, because I am going out of town, but thankfully, the Lakers did the job for me tonight and made sure that the LA teams that I talk about on a regular basis are the ones that are done with, we, we, have, we already know what's happening with them. The Clippers... The LA Clippers, who Kawhi, who had Kawhi Leonard out the entire season, Norman Powell got injured within like five games of him getting traded, Paul George out the majority of the season, is in the eighth spot, secure, even if there was no play-in from this for Adam Cupcake Silver and his gimmick stuff. But the Lakers, the team with the highest odds out of Vegas to win the Western Conference, with by adding Russell Westbrook and forming a new super team, and oh boy, before you subscribe on all platforms at YouTube and Apple at Time for Podcasts, just remember that these guys were a super team. We are not going to change the definition after they com- collapse and suck. That's not how it goes. Super teams are coined when the team gets formed, and usually through player collusion. And that leads us to the beginning of the train wreck that is and were the 2021-22 Los Angeles Lakers. And guess what? To all you Laker fans who clowned me after 2020 when the Clippers committed a basketball atrocity, you motherfuckers are quieter than mice right now. Where have you guys been at? My views have been down this year. I wonder why. Because maybe you guys know I'm not just going to shit on my team like a crazy person every week or every season or every game or every loss because they, de- because they don't deserve it anymore. But guess who I am going to shit on because I keep it 100. Clippers embarrassed themselves. I grilled them here. And now the Lakers have embarrassed themselves. And I'm going to grill them here. Oh, baby. The Lakers have been in Los Angeles for 62 years, 62 glorious years for the majority of them. The greatest franchise in NBA history in my mind, more than the Celtics. Sorry, Celtics fans, I'd still take the Lakers. But that's what makes it that much sweeter because everyone wants the Lakers to lose. It's like the Cowboys. It's like Manchester United. It's like the Yankees. They are the evil empire, and eventually you get tired of seeing them always win. But now you add in LeBron James, who is the most polarizing athlete maybe in the history of America. And he brings in his legion of delusional, cock-sucking fanboys, Jesus Christ. I'm going rated X tonight. We're bringing it out tonight, ladies and gents. We're going full-on X-rated. Fanboys who prop this guy up like he's the second coming of Christ. And guess what? I was guilty of this too. I had his fat head in my room. You know, I got that alternate jersey and that red Cleveland jersey still in my closet. I wanted nothing more than this guy to be the GOAT. And now that so many people call him the GOAT, I am sick to my stomach. Because I've woken up and started studying the history of the game. And I've grown up. i got a full-on beard now. Little Dick D 
<laughs> thinks LeBron is the second coming of Christ. Dime Dropper sees the game with a different lens. And that lens is that we are going to start off with everything that went wrong this season. Let's, and here's the thing about me. It's not just one person's fault. That's the thing. Everyone's going to try to put it on one person. It's all LeBron's fault. It's all Westbrook sucks. It's all Vogel's fault. It's all about the front office. This is the thing about team fans different than people with agendas. A collapse of a team this severe is never because of one entity. So let's begin from the top. And I want to just say to all my good Laker fans out there to support my content and support my channel, I am not grilling you guys. I just hope you feel a little bit of pain just by being Laker fans the way I felt when we lost. Just by being associated with the logo. Because it's not your fault. You sit there and support your damn team because you have pride in that uniform. But guess who didn't have pride in that uniform? We're not even going to give them the luxury of being called the purple and gold because they're the purple and piss. And by the way, time to change those banana yellow jerseys. Let's start it out. Let's start out with the front office. Now, if you're watching this show Winning Time, you see the greatest owner to ever probably own an NBA franchise, the great Dr. Jerry Buss, or as my friend used to call him, Dr. Jerry Bust-a-Nut, and he was just, at, and the Lakers, it's fitting, it's a fitting name, because he was running train on the entire league like a bus, or a train, whatever you want to call it. For years, the Lakers were making everybody their bitches for decades. And now everybody else gets to have their fun. And I'll tell you why. And I'm not going to grill Jeannie Buss and go too hard on, on her. Because, you know, she is a fellow Lades alumni. But Jeannie Buss has lost the fucking plot. She, you know, Magic came out a couple years ago. And I'm not saying that Magic was in the, in the right for doing what he did. He totally went and did something that was not something that the greatest Laker of all time, which he definitely has the highest claim to be along with Kobe, does you know go on kind of air out all the dirty laundry like that on first take but genie he said something about he doesn't he didn't know who was in charge and genie bus since she's taken over the team you know she she got this ship back on the right track with the 2020 title but ever since then she's lost the plot there's we don't know who's in charge there seems like there seems like there's way too many cooks in the kitchen here You've got Rob Palinka, who everybody was praising after 2020. Now everybody's like, he's given LeBron too much power, you know. And then there's the all the articles about the Rambuses being involved behind the scenes. Kurt and Linda Rambus. So who's in charge here? Who's in charge? Are all these people in charge? Does Rob Palinka have full autonomy of the basketball decisions here? Or is he getting a little birdie in his ear? A birdie by the name of your boy Hustle Hard like Rambus. Shout out to Rambus. He's a champion, but... You know, he's, he's not supposed to be making decisions here. So that's the first step, right? Now, I think this Laker problem actually started after they won the 2020 title. I think that's when it went to shit. Because I'm a big proponent. If you guys have been following me now, this is my second full season doing this. You guys know I'm a big proponent of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And shout out to my boy June 28th, July for the super chat right now. I haven't gotten many of those this season. Super chats are turned on. Dollar, if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. This is my last live of the season, for the regular season, so throw them in there. But anyways, in the beginning, the Lakers screwed up after 2020 to me because they should have gone back with the same squad, similar squad, but instead they added a floor spacing five in Marc Gasol, which I thought Marc Gasol was pretty good last year, but definitely a downgrade from JaVale. 
And then you added another ball handler in Dennis Schroeder to take the ball out of LeBron's hands. And now here's my dilemma, or here's my problem. Why are we taking the ball out of LeBron's hands? He was the point guard in 2020. He averaged 10 assists a game. The Lakers won the championship. He didn't have to move and cut off the ball so much. He didn't have to play so much post-up. Uh, I'm not saying he posts up a ton, but he posted up more this season. He played a little bit more off-ball this season because he did have moments where he tried to accommodate Russ in the first half of the season, especially in the first half of games. But I thought it was better when he just got to play as, as a true point forward in 2020. But they brought the, took the ball out of his hands. And I don't understand why they did that. Does he, did he want to get the ball taken out of his hands? Because we saw in 2019, the Lakers had Ingram and Lonzo, other guys that could, you know, Kuzma came off a season where he was creating his own shot. So why are we taking the ball out of his hands? LeBron, AD, and, you know, role players that can either screen and roll, catch and shoot, maybe one or two ball handlers, that's it. Keep it simple. But they overcomplicated things. That being said, last year's team was still really good because they defended. And that was the identity of the Frank Vogel Lakers. And that's where we get to the beginning of the end this season. Because Frank Vogel is, we've shown, we've been shown this season, he is not a versatile coach. He's not a great coach. He's a good coach and he's a good coach when given the defensive personnel that he needs to succeed. And this season, he was not given that. And here's why I think the Lakers fucked up. And if you want to put this on Palinka, you can. In my opinion, it's foolish to put it all on Palinka because we know for many years now, and only fanboys will deny this, that LeBron James in, is the face of the player empowerment era that has taken place in this 2010s. And he, and he has huge control over a lot of the big major decisions. Now I know what you're gonna say. Well, if it was up to everything was up to LeBron, wouldn't Ty Lue be the coach of the Lakers? Did I say everything was up to LeBron? I said he had a big say in huge moves, in terms of, for like a like a star player coming in because he has to play with that player. Ty Lue wanted a, a full coaching staff of his own, and the Lakers didn't grant him that. And maybe the Lakers bought into the narrative that Ty Lue was LeBron's crony. But that being said, I can't stand Laker fans bring or LeBron fanboys bringing up Ty Lue because they won a chip with Vogel. So let's not go back to before Vogel. Let's talk about what's happened after they won the chip because they won the championship. That's the highest level you can reach. So let's not blame Vogel for 2020. You know what I'm saying? Let's not assume that, oh, if they had Ty Lue, they automatically would have done this and that. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have won the chip with Ty, but let's give Vogel his flowers for that season, right? And now I'm hearing, oh, it was all the assistant coaches, Jason Kidd and Lionel Hollins. Like, get, give me a break. We saw him coach in Indiana and do a good job with that team too. So let's not act like Frank Vogel just sucks now, okay? Anyways, I think the Lakers felt the pressure and LeBron felt the pressure of the Brooklyn Nets big three. No one's going to say it, but I think a lot of people know it. And I think this is a terribly flawed mentality now that just because a team has three stars doesn't mean you need to beat them with three stars. We saw the 2010 Lakers beat a team of stars of four all-star caliber players with Kobe Gasol and a great group of role players that fit well around them. And we saw the Lakers win the 2020 championship with two fantastic players and a great group of role players that fit well around them. So why are we, because they're aging is what I was assuming. They're aging and they fear that LeBron and Anthony Davis couldn't stay healthy. So they wanted to bring in a third star. And you know what? They were right. 
Anthony Davis and LeBron couldn't stay healthy. They were absolutely right. And now we get to the series of events that led to the Westbrook trade. The first option being Damian Lillard. And this goes back to the point I made in my Who's the Goat episode, which did not age well in the beginning, after 2020 when LeBron won his ring. But oh boy, has it aged well since then. Because LeBron has shown a lot of tendencies as to now why to me, why organizations, I can see the LeBron experience growing tired. Because when I was a LeBron fan, I only saw it like this. He gives your team a chance to compete for a title every single year. But what I didn't realize is the pressure to win a title in such a short amount of time because there is no guarantee that he is staying makes it so that you panic and make these win-now moves at the cost of potential development and continuity to satisfy his needs. And that can prove to be very hard when your roster is constantly changing all the time. And LeBron went for Dame first. Dame didn't want to do that. He didn't want to, you know, join the super team. Okay, next was DeRozan. But DeRozan had to be on a sign-and-trade because the Lakers would have been hard-capped. Okay, so that means that they would have had only $10 million to fill out the rest of the roster. So let's say you get Caruso or bring back THT on $9 million. Then you only have a million to get the rest of the guys. So think of how much differently that, would have, that squad would have looked like than this one. Probably even worse in the role player department. And that being said, to do that, you had to get three... It, Sign and trade contracts have to be three years minimum. So DeRozan would have had to be here in his contract... A year after 2023, whose contract expires in 2023? LeBron. And you better believe that Laker management is thinking about life after LeBron because they do not know what he's going to do next year. And that's the dilemma that comes with having him because you don't want to trade LeBron James, but he leaves you in the dust with nothing after. He did it to Cleveland once, he did it to Miami, and then he did it to Cleveland again. And it took years for the Cavs to build this team through the draft. So now you're seeing what that can do to an organization. And when and another thing that people aren't realizing. What makes you think that Greg Popovich would have traded DeRozan to the Lakers? Since when has Greg Popovich given the Lakers a bone? DeRozan, of course he wanted to come. You don't think that DeRozan wants to come home and play with, with a chance to win a ring? But trades have to be agreed on on both sides. And Greg Popovich was one of the main people that spoke out about Pau Gasol's trade being a fleece. So you think he's going to just hand his rival? And this is why I tell you Laker fans, stop putting so much energy on the Clippers. We are still, despite the fact that we are the better run organization in LA right now, and we have been better than you for the large part of a decade, you still want a ring before we did. You've still never played us in the playoffs. It's a pseudo-rivalry, as my man Lake Show says. The Spurs, that's a real historic rivalry. Popovich didn't want to give you DeRozan. He doesn't fuck with you. He thinks you're weak. No, I'm just kidding. But he doesn't fuck with you. Okay? Period. So, that DeRozan shit, and by the way, I love Magic, you already know, he's my favorite player, whatever, but he didn't know what he was talking about on first take the other day with the cap, that his, you know what I'm saying, that they could have gotten DeRozan and then they went for Westbrook instead, no, it didn't work out with DeRozan, they traded for Westbrook, which leaves you to think, why? You know, we heard Palinka and the management kind of wanted to go for Buddy Heal to get another shooter, but that's when we hear multiple reports that Anthony Davis and LeBron James met with Russ at LeBron's house in Brentwood on Tiger Tail <laughs> and wanted Russ to come on board, which is 
in everyone questioned this move from the start. Everyone. You see in my live, I said, okay, I think they'll still be a top five seed. That was me believing in the brilliance of stars and LeBron James being a top 10 player of all time. Notice I said top 10, not top five, because this season, oh man, just because he averaged 30 points, no, he's the best 37-year-old ever. Uh, he, he is great for his age. Uh, that's as far, that that's not what we're rooting. That's not what we're going for here. That's not what Laker fans care about. They wanted to win. This season's a failure, and he failed miserably. And before we get into the on-court stuff, his move to get Russ was a terrible miscalculation. Terrible miscalculation. And then people want to say, "Oh, Rob Palinka needs to tell him no." What if LeBron tells Rob Palinka, yo, Rob, trust me, we'll figure it out. I always figure it out. That's what he said in the press conference. They said the same thing about the Heat. He's right to an extent. D. Wade's five times the player Russ is, but he's right to an extent. There were some doubts about those two in the beginning. And they were nine, eight and nine, nine and eight to start their first season. Similar to this, this Laker team, you might forget, they were 16 and 13 at one point, guys. But the problem is, too, they never really got a chance to play with one another in terms of a con string of games. They never got to play. I challenged them. Can you play five straight games with the big three fully intact? And they couldn't do it. That don't, I don't think they even went five straight games. And it, I'm going to do a post uh My man, Lake Show, he's been really disappointed this season. We did the preview. He's going to come, and we're likely right before the playoffs going to do a well, that was like, you know, how it all played out kind of thing. It'll be more serious than me right now, just kind of, you know, dancing on their grave. But when they did that, you know, you're taking in Russ's $40 million contract, 40 million. So that means the rest of the squad, vet minimums. Now they could have kept Caruso if they had gone over the luxury tax. They went with THT instead. So that's again, worrying about life after LeBron and also bad move by the front office that has nothing to do with LeBron. LeBron probably wanted Caruso back. He's not caring about the luxury tax. So that's on the front office. But the Westbrook move threw everything out of whack because now you have to get got you have three and D guys like Wayne Ellington and Trevor Reza who don't aren't great defenders anymore. And in Ellington's case, never been a great defender and can't shoot threes consistently. Kent Bazemore, you can add to that list. Kent Bazemore, who Steph Curry got to the playoff play eight seed last year as a, as a consistent rotation player, didn't even get minutes at the end after the first couple of games this season. You know, you're signing DeAndre Jordan. Like, what were you thinking there? And then Vogel has the audacity to play him. Vogel, I mean, total mismanagement of this team. He didn't have his personnel, but... You know, the small ball lineups they'd attempt with Stanley Johnson and LeBron at the five. You know, it worked out well for LeBron to score a lot. It worked out well for their offense for a couple of months, but they could not, there's no resistance. So again, that narrative of LeBron can guard one through five, how did that work out when they went one through five? You feel me? How did that work out? Yeah, it works well against shit teams where he's mean mugging against Orlando and Houston. That's what he was doing this season, mean mugging and putting up amazing performances against those trash teams. That He had some great games, though, against like the Knicks on those Saturday night uh, ABC games. Knicks, the Warrior 50-piece, the Wizards. Those are some great games. He had those nights. He had some amazing nights where he put on a show. And when he did, they won. But throughout the season, it was a joke. It was a joke. They, It was doomed before it started, but it really wasn't doomed before it started. Because what you need, though, when you have a roster with three players like that, three stars, and the rest are vet minimums, you have to perform every night, and you got to be healthy. And that's one thing we saw with the Miami Heat. And even in 2014, when D. Wade missed his fair share of games, you still had LeBron, you know, and Bosh in their primes. So they could still compete on both ends of the floor much better than now. I mean, Bosh never didn't compete on the other end. But LeBron, about a year or two later, started doing the cruising in the regular season act. 
But back then, you know, it was a different... And it was also a weak East. That's the thing. The East has gotten better, but it's even now, kind of. The East is is good, and the West is not as good as it's been in recent years, but still not many easy games. And the Lakers... And LeBron has found out the hard way now, missing the playoffs half of the seasons he's been here. One injury, and you miss 20 games can be the difference. It's not like before where you can miss 15 games, 12 games, Kyrie can miss this many games and you still make it. It's not like that. This is the Western Conference. Every game's a battle for the most part. And you can't take these teams for granted on the defensive end. And that's what the Lakers did far too many times this season. And as I said, part of that is because they did not have defensive personnel. But one thing I always say, and this goes past the beginning of the season. The beginning of the season, they tried to work things out, you know, Russ and LeBron were trying to figure it out together. Everybody was deferring to one another. But when Anthony Davis went down the first time, I'm sorry, LeBron went down first, actually. And then they obviously got off to some L's. LeBron comes back. Then Anthony Davis goes down. They don't get a chance to build rhythm. And shout out to Russ, though, for one thing. He stayed on the court this season. He stayed on the court. But, geez, I mean, that's as far as it goes. You know, he, he started out the season pretty decently, actually. He still had his rust mistakes, his turnovers, his bad decision-making that were magnified even more so and max and amplified when LeBron missed games. But when LeBron came out, I think they still went six, they were 16 and 13 at one point. And then AD got hurt, and you saw the, the largest thing we saw this season, which was LeBron and Russ playing together. And it was just terrible because, you know, it seemed like in the beginning of the season or the first half of the season, it was LeBron kind of let Russ handle the ball a good amount in the first half and at times LeBron would still take the reins as well and that showed me that Russ off the ball was so bad I thought he was going to be able to cut and flash middle and and just move without the ball and be a cutter with LeBron because he gets so much attention but he was so stagnant and like he stands behind the three-point line and he can't shoot threes and he persisted on shooting threes it's just such a negative it's such a negative because LeBron needs shooters and more so than ever now because he's not getting to the rim the same way he used to. And that's another reason why LeBron to me is definitely showing signs of decline, even despite the stats, because he shot more shots this season than he did since the since 2010, which is crazy. You would have never thought playing with AD and Russ and this team of, you know, Melo, Malik Monk guys, some gunners, some extra gunners to go along with your stars at this age that he would be shooting more. And you can make an argument that maybe, you know, besides um, because AD was out, LeBron shot more. But this was something that he started the season with. I remember saying in my first, go back to my recaps. I remember saying in the first two weeks, it seems like when LeBron goes into scoring mode, like the Lakers don't win because it's two things. One, he holds the ball a lot and stagnates ball movement. It's not quick decisions off the catch, turning turn the corner and go. Two dribble pull up. It's it's turn and survey and, and see the floor. And then it's, is he going to close the game? That's the thing. I have a stat, as I said, 24 games that LeBron played this season, 24 of them were within five points with four minutes or less remaining, with four minutes remaining, within five, with four minutes, 10 and 14, a below 500 record. That's where the star takes you home. That's where we saw LeBron in last season before he got injured, taking over games against Cleveland, against Memphis, against different teams. He just couldn't do it. He would go cold. His jumper would go cold. He'd lose his legs. You could see it. He couldn't get to the basket anymore. He wasn't hitting his jump shots later in the games. You could see it. And that's why I say also, you got to look at at the stars first. And in those games that Anthony Davis wasn't playing, you know, the Laker defense was already a little bit suspect. 
But the games and Anthony Davis's resistance to play the five in the beginning of the season was terrible too. You know, they, they just there's a lack of accountability with this team. There's a lack of desperation. There's a lack of okay, we got our ass kicked. For example, they got embarrassed by the Suns a couple weeks ago from the beginning of the game, and LeBron still got his thirty. You know, no no stops, just trading baskets thirty after the last second, third, and fourth quarter. The next game, they're playing the Toronto Raptors, and they're down 20 in the first quarter. Great teams, even the Laker teams from 2021 and 20, when they got embarrassed one night, they would never come out and get embarrassed again. They would usually win the next game, let alone compete. And that is not what the Lakers did on multiple occasions this season. They quit at least 10 games this year, two against Phoenix alone. There was one against New Orleans that was absolutely pathetic. They quit in the game I went to recently with Clippers-Lakers. You can see it. They gave up. They gave up in a lot of third quarters this season, guys. And here's the thing. Yeah, Malik Monk didn't play defense. He still had a pretty good season. Yeah, Melo doesn't play defense. He gave you what you thought you you were going to get. Austin Reeves, a bonus. THT, tough season because Vogel, this goes back to Vogel, for a large portion of the season, in the first half of it, put him at the three alongside Russ and LeBron. And again, Russ and LeBron in the half court was a disaster. I liked their pick and rolls where LeBron was the screener. They did a lot more of that when LeBron became point center and ended up, again, LeBron would score a lot. They would not get stops. They would not get stops. And that was the issue all season to me because we were saying, and this is the crazy part, you brought Russ onto a team of vets. The only guys that want to run are Monk and Reeves and occasionally LeBron when he can. And you bring Russ, who plays at a blistering pace to, to, to maximize his abilities, to this old team, a team that is better with LeBron and AD at the controls, slowing it down. So you bring LeBron, the way you maximize Russ is you play fast. How do you play fast and do it effectively? You get stops. People are going to say, oh, the Lakers were sixth in pace this year. I talked about this many times. That shit was fugazi. They, they were just taking quick shots, like Malik Monk, one pass, pump fake, sidestep three that's it one sh- one pass in a half court set or semi-transition miss lebron come up and pull some possessions russ just come up and go straight to the left wing and try to post up or shoot that left left side bank shot that got him on shack and a fool more times than i could count this year there was no sense of iq sense of flow sense of ball movement LeBron, he was getting his numbers, but he he's his assists were down this year, partially because that's because of Russ. But in the second half of games, guys, teams would switch a lot on these guys and force LeBron into one-on-one situations. And because he wasn't driving past guys and kicking as much as he used to and shooting more threes than he had ever shot in his career, eight of them a game to be exact. And mind you guys, eight three-point shots a game on 36% shooting, that's not bad, but that's not great to be shooting eight shots a game. I get it. You want him to conserve. But here's my issue, right? People say, oh, LeBron and Russ, you know, they need to, they need, they can't play a defense like that. They're too old. Well, then this team was never going to work. Because you don't have defensive personnel. You, as I, when I saw this team, I was like, look, they don't have that many good defenders. LeBron and Russ are going to have to play defense. It can't just be worrying, relying on Anthony Davis to do everything. And that's why Stanley Johnson got a spot on this squad, because he actually defends. That's why Austin Reeves broke into the rotation so much, because he actually tried. Every time he stepped foot on the court, Austin Reeves actually gave a fuck. So, Laker fans, you should be singing his praises, because I can't say the same for almost every single other player on the team. LeBron and Russ, I always say it starts on the top. There were so many games where Russ is not getting over screens. He's walking on defense. This was the guy that gave his everything almost every night, that played with intensity. How many times did he have those 
I'm giving it set leading by example moments, diving on the floor, going into the crowd. Less than 10. LeBron, same thing. He got the crowd hyped by scoring. But how many hustle plays? Five or six. You know, where's the... It took him 50-something games to scream at somebody. And when he did it, it's because he was fumbling the ball on a rebound. It's whiny. It's not what Kobe did in 2013. There was visible anger on his face. And I get it. I should stop comparing LeBron and, and Bean. I, should, I get it. I should stop. Because the way I see the game, I can never say that he's better anymore. I can see your argument, but I can't, I can't entertain it. Because Kobe, this is the difference. He played in games like tonight and fucked up his Achilles in the process. But that's because he fucking cared. He didn't want to get embarrassed. This is a joke. This is a joke. They, are, they should be ashamed of themselves. Russell Westbrook, like, he's like, yeah, I played bad, but, you know, I'm not worried. You know, championship is championship. You know, I still have a life at the end. Dude, I get it. Basketball's not everything. LeBron did the same act a couple weeks ago. I'm just enjoying the game. No, you guys fucking failed. You failed. You failed your fans, and you failed expectations. You are the biggest disgrace in the history of basketball relative to preseason expectations. You are the most disappointing Laker team in history. And I, as a Clipper fan, I'm only getting passionate right now. I love it. But I'm getting passionate because I love the game. And they disrespected the game this season with their bullshit. Top down. No defense from your two best players don't guard. You ain't winning shit. And LeBron and Russ, that applies to you. If you go back to my lives, every game LeBron played good defense, they competed in them. They were in those games. And if you're, and if you're asking me, you know, this is a lot to ask for a 37-year-old, by all means, you're right. So I'm going to taper my expectations down. And next year when we go into the season, he's not going to be in my top 10. Because I know he can't guard anymore unless he wants to pick and choose. But you know what? He still has the energy to stay in when they're down 20 to get his extra points, which he did many times this season. He's still in when they're up 20 to get his extra points for an extra minute or two. Like, you're not fooling anyone. He's still in to when they get a, a t other team gets a defensive three-second violation. He waltzes to the free throw line like he's Mark Price. Carmelo Anthony's out there, bro. He's always been a better free throw shooter than you. Who are you fooling? And then, yeah, so Russ is going to be gone. Vogel's going to be gone. It's okay. Just book your ticket to Cancun. It's done. LeBron still had a good season, though, mind you. I still think he had a good season. He, he could have still made the playoffs given a better supporting cast. But you know why we're not going to give him sympathy? Because he wanted Westbrook. He didn't want to calm down and just go for role players. <laughs> so he deserves all the slander he's getting. This is what happens when you try too hard to try to manipulate what's going on within the team. Just leave it to Beaver, a.k.a. Polinka, who we'll see if he has a job in about a month. That's it for me tonight, guys. Uh, Anthony Davis, we have to have serious questions about him going forward as well. And Russell Westbrook, as much as I love you, I cannot. I don't think you're a top 15 point guard of all time anymore because you showed that you cannot adapt to being a third option. I don't care that you're not in your prime. You showed a lack of IQ, a lack of adaptability. You never improved on the things that I defended you for as a middle schooler in 2012. I love you, man. You're a local guy, but this season, you're going to get booed when you come back home. And guess what? It won't be any different than when you were a Laker. Good night, everybody. We're going to go to the live subscribers we know so patiently in the fucking chat. Laker fans, who's laughing now? <laughs> that was my best impersonation of Kawhi's laugh. Peace. And I'll see y'all in the playoffs, Time Jumper fam.